0: thing. It stands for resilience. Um, It it stands for everything that I know Black women to be.
1: Welcome to Baddies with Business. I am your host, Malloran Hodge. Come with me on a journey as I create a space to chat with Black women about their aspirations, struggles, and learnings within business. Learn and grow as we talk about how being a baddie and business go hand in hand.
0: So, baddie, tell me about yourself. First, I am so excited to be here. Um, So my name is Maso Kalima, uh, originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota, born and raised by way of Uganda. Um, And I always start with that because I think that, like, legacy, where you're from, is so important, especially where your roots and and. When we talk about roots and I talk about myself, so much of my trajectory definitely started with Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I think in this day and age, especially when we're looking at everything that has occurred with George Floyd, everything that happened with Philando Castile, um, as well as Breonna Taylor, say her name, and everyone else, I think it's important to look at, like, how did we get here, mm-hmm. as well as, like, um, what actually led to that. So growing up, grew up in Plain, Minnesota, which is a small suburb of Minneapolis, um, predominantly white, in a lot of ways, there was this dissonance between um, my my home life and and what both of my parents stood for as far as like legacy and resistance and social justice and what I experienced like in school uh, so for me, that dissonance really led to I think the work that I do now and what it looks like to actually fill that gap My parents i mean I, I was blessed to have two parents who felt like that was important enough that they drilled that in and instilled that in with like giving books writing proposals. Um, showing media, asking the questions and things like that to make sure that I was affirmed in my identity and who I was. Uh, And I think in a lot of ways, that's not the case for everyone. And that's not the case for so many um, of our black and brown children. So that is kind of what got me into the role of of education in general and how I saw education as a way um, to really start to like build the foundations and the blocks towards liberation. Uh, So then from there, I went on to work with Teach for, or actually did the core as an educator with Teach for America. I taught middle grade science in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Uh, and then from there, after teaching for a little bit, I recognized not only that it was something that was in the classroom, but I also knew that I really wanted to do systems work and looking at social justice and social change um, and liberation work from a little bit of a, a larger lens because I recognized there were so many, there's just so much red tape and redlining that happened within the education system yeah. um, that really was dictated by everyone but, but the the teachers that were in the room and everyone but um the actual students that we were hoping to impact so then from there I joined staff with Teach for America uh and I am currently working with them as a director of local leadership and development. That's the short version. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the short version.
1: <laughs> yes it it was a great short version and for everyone listening so Maso and I met when we did an event in 2018, together in Rocky Mount, and of the community events I've done, it was probably one of the most powerful ones. And we had folks from all over the community together, and just like coming up with ideas to make uh, education in Rocky Mount even better. Just that vague, and that's kind of how we went with it. So we had a great time. That w- that was an awesome we event. Did. Yeah. All right. So you have a consulting firm. I um, do. So tell us all about it.
0: Yeah. So I. I think it's always important to start with, like, the not necessarily the catalyst of how it came, but, like, how do we get here? Um, and within a lot of the work that I did previously before Teach for America and some of the work that I was doing within Teach for America really looked at the intersection of identity, social justice, um, and systems. And what does it look like? To not only reimagine education, but reimagine to the point of that um, event that we did together, what does systems leadership look like and what does it look like to really center that around the human and the user and center that around community. Um, So as I have been doing this work, I think oftentimes there, there was sometimes the same dissonance that I spoke about before and i 'll share that that dissonance sometimes has been the catalyst for some of the most beautiful things, but this dissonance between like who are the voices that are missing from conversations, who are the voices that are missing um, from some of these systems that we talk about and who, who are disproportionately impacted and somehow not a part of the conversation to actually create what that change looks like, um, and what would it look like to equip leaders and equip systems leaders with uh, the tools to not only do that in a way that was reflective of themselves in their own perspectives, but that was fully reflective um, of the communities that we serve. Sometimes the, the voices of black and brown youth who don't look like oftentimes the people who are at the head of the boardroom, but oftentimes whose decisions impact them um, the most. So with that, I started IA consulting firm and, and really just wanted to look at how do we actually develop leaders, um, not only within Diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is definitely, I would say, is the core, but also leadership development that is rooted in critical consciousness um, and rooted in identity development. So that is how I started I and really it has been a, a whirlwind ever since. One that I, I'm very thankful for, but one that I really think um, intersects all of those gifts. So, what does it look like to be human centered? What does it look like to be user centered? What does it look like to actually look at identity? Uh, and how power and privilege lives out in things. And also, what does it look like for leaders to really ground in themselves um, and ground in doing the work themselves? Do your own work. If there's nothing else that I could say, it is people have to do their own work Um, and really start to unpack and and dismantle some of that socialization, which has has taught you uh, in one way or the other, either that internalized oppression or Mm -hmm. also exerting and oppressing other people. And what does that look like at an enterprise wide and at an organizational level? So yeah, Yeah. that's what we do.
1: That is great. And I also, to this systems leadership piece, oftentimes in The work that we do in the space of like education, nonprofits, oftentimes people like we want to create a thing to fix this thing. That's like within the system, as opposed to like, no, let's level up. Let's go to the system and really think about what leadership needs to change. What are some policies that need to change? What do we need to just change and unpack and uncondition? So I love that you're thinking about that systems piece because Mm -hmm. we don't think about it enough. And the folks who are like at that systems level don't look like you and I
0: no not at all
1: (laughs) (laughs) don't look like you and I what are some learnings that you've had throughout your journey in um, as you are you know currently ramping up things with Aya but also like prior to that just like get into that place of like yep I'm going to start this consulting business what are some learnings that you've had and specifically as it relates to being a black woman in this field of consulting and just navigating the work you're doing
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think one of the, the biggest learnings that I've had is like, um, do the work for yourself too. So what I found I think we talk about imposter syndrome all the time. Yes. Um, and what was, was not clear to me is that a lot of the, the things I'm doing with, I, I actually had already been doing, but had been doing for free. Um, I actually had already been doing, but not necessarily um, doing it in a way that necessarily aligned with my vision for how I thought the work could be done. And I think there's one way where we're, um, taught to fit within a system and try and make that system work. And then there's another way where it's like, and what does it look like to create that for yourself? Um, and for me, that, that was my learning, my, my learning to have the confidence, I think, to do that. Um, my learning to, um, have the, the audacity to do that, to say that I should be the one to lead that work. Um, as well as like, actually really just trusting and believing in your gifts. I think so often we think that we have to have all of the things in a line, literally whether it's the business plan, whether it's an extra degree, um, whether it's making sure that I have branding perfect or whatever the thing is. But I think sometimes we actually take away from our own brilliance and our own um, gifts and talents of actually just taking the step to do the thing void of um, what society has told us that we have to have whatever metrics of Um, what it means to actually be qualified. I think that oftentimes we have to like be really clear that to an extent we have a, a, a disproportionate view or perspective on what that means specifically as a black woman. I'll speak for myself on what that meant for me. And through this journey I've, I've, I've learned and gotten present to like what does imposter syndrome look like as it comes up and how has, how does that either delay or act as a barrier as it, when we talk about, um, not just entrepreneurship, but having the audacity um, to take your gifts and talents to to do the thing or to to make the dream a reality.
1: Yeah, I love that. And uh, so you speak to a really great piece around being qualified. And I think about like that qualified piece. And often people are like, you know, how many years of experience do you have? And this, this, and that. But also it's like lived experience. People don't value that as like, quality experience, like they don't value that as experience, period. It's just like, how mm-hmm. how much have you studied? How much work have mm-hmm. you done and all that? And so I think there's a really great piece around like that qualified, or you feeling like you're not qualified enough to do this thing, even though you have valuable experience from your lived experience or from those you're working with. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you highlighting that. Um, and also this piece around doing the work for yourself and creating for yourself. And we don't do that enough. You know, um, we do something, work with someone else, but we don't have that chance to like really create that thing for ourself, um and really market ourselves and put it out there. Like, this is what I do. This isn't a little side thing. It's like, this is what I do. And if it is a side, that's okay. But just mm-hmm. like really promoting and marketing yourself. So thank you for
0: sharing that. Yeah. And the other piece that I would add, and I think this is even in that journey of ourselves is really starting to be clear on I mean, when we talk about qualifications and we talk about experience. Yes whose experience, whose qualifications, um, and also look at how that then intersects with access and opportunity um, and all of these systems that we already know are inequitable and what that means when we then on the back end um, produce a system that requires these these metrics, right? That as Black women, one, through the identity of being a woman, two, by the identity uh, of being Black in America and around the world, if we want to talk about anti-Blackness on a global scale, but... Right. Um, thinking about when we talk about qualifications, I think we discredit the qualifications that we have. So it's not even that they don't exist, because by any metric, we can see that Black women are actually outperforming um, when it comes to education, when it comes to actually starting businesses. But then we have to also hold that with the intersections of equity and what that means for Black women, even down to when we speak about um, the pay gap, when we, when we talk about internal mobility and, um, different organizations. And when we talk about like leadership and how leadership, despite um, a field being largely dominated by black women, the leadership does not reflect that of who's actually in the field. So when we talk about qualifications, also unpacking the um, inherent qualification that sometimes is attached to being white and being male and what that means with the inverse of being a black woman, starting to do some of that unpacking to say like, great, what are the isms that I have around qualifications and mm-hmm. how I'm actually discrediting my own brilliance. And then like getting clear on like, no, actually that thing that you've been doing for the past 10 years is your qualification. It is. Um, so just wanted to add that piece. Cause I think in my own journey, it's like, yep, we have to hold both of those things and both of those truths to really get a, a good sense of what we're talking about. When we talk about qualifications and experience because it is there tenfold. Yeah. we just don't always call it that.
1: Right, and I also think about when we talk about professional, or when people talk about professional, it's usually the white way of like mm-hmm. your hair has to be a certain way. And you have to, you know, code switch and act. It's very like respectability, and like mm-hmm. you got to keep your head down to make sure you're getting in the door. And so that's a that's a lot, right
0: oh. there. <laughs> <laughs> that's whew, whole separate conversation, and one that I think. All the The thing is we have that shared experience of all understanding and knowing that navigation, and so when I talk about experience, it's like we have to also hold that truth of yeah. what has our experience look like um, not just in inter- turn what's internalized within that but within mobility in a system that was not actually built for you to exist or for yes. you to excel. when yes. we go to job interviews, the Crown Act was just passed and has not even been passed in all fifty states, which means that we still are in a space where we have to think about what our hair looks like is part of the, um, that that is the burden that we carry when we're actually thinking about qualifications. That has nothing to do with merit. That has nothing to do with experience. Yeah. And we live in a system which I think politicizes every part of our being in a way which requires us to, to think through all of those things. So just 110% yeah. <laughs> All that staggering. All,
1: all <laughs> of that. Uh, when you think about... Some of these things that we just shared, what have been some challenges that you may have turned into opportunities throughout your journey in being an entrepreneur, but also navigating this world of having, you know, creating your own and having this consulting company that you have in addition to working your traditional nine to five. So what are some challenges Mm -hmm. or opportunities that you've had as you think about this work?
0: Yeah, I think the. It's a challenge and an opportunity. That's why I really love the phrasing of that question, because I think the challenge at first was looking at how do we actually divide our time um, and how do we balance our time? How much of that time do you give to whatever your nine to five is? And how much of that time do you give to your own gifts and talents um, and passions? And I think for me, one of the things that it became very, that was glaring for me, was that so much of my time actually was not, none of the time was actually put on my own passions, gifts, and talents. Um, In the way that had somebody just asked me the question, I probably been like, oh yeah, I do. And then when I actually looked at the distribution of time, I was like, no, I actually hadn't. So it called for me to, I think, to factor myself into that equation more than what I did in the past. And I think that that was I, I, w- I wouldn't even say it's a challenge as much That's that's been the opportunity to really see, like, how do you divide your time in a way where you also are pouring into yourself? Uh, and I don't think that I had to ask that question as much because it's easy to like pour into career and that be the main primary focus. I think it's something different to pour into career and also build something from the ground up and also build, um, something that is, that is built out of your passion that is built out of, um, really the, the change that you want to see in the world, the impact that you think that you can have in the world. So I would say challenging that I was like, oh yeah, this is an unequal distribution um, of time and investment. And the opportunity has been like actually figuring out and and getting really clear and explicit with myself about like, what is that investment that you make for yourself? Uh, I think we talk about self-care a lot as the investment of self. And I also think another investment um, of self and self-care is also doing the things that you love, doing the things that you're passionate about, um, doing, doing the work that really lights you up fully. Um So, yeah, I I would say that was the that was the opportunity. That was the opportunity that I found.
1: Yeah. And how are you able to navigate like advocating like you you advocate for yourself? But also when you think about going back to work, was it something where you had to advocate for? I'm going to do this on the side or is it like I'm still going to fulfill my 40 hours or however many hours a week. And then I'm going to have this as like nights and weekends. Did you have to like navigate like advocating for yourself to be able to still do this in addition to your work?
0: So I, I didn't at all. Um, they, they mostly are very, very separate for all intents and purposes. But, uh, the one thing I would say is like, I just had to get better organized and clear on what my, my boundaries were, because I think (laughs) when I think about the opportunity, there just were no, there just were no boundaries. So the challenge was that, Oh wow. Suddenly you're in a space where you actually do have to like, start to establish what those boundaries of work are going to be where, if you say you're on vacation, that means you're on vacation, not that you are still right. um, checking email, not that you are still taking meetings and all of the above. And I think that, that that's not anything um, that I, I I think I can put on a job or employer or anything of that nature as much as that has everything to do with me and what my own journey of figuring out what does that balance of investment look like. Mm. I like that, that balance Mm -hmm. of investment.
1: That's really powerful um, because it is an investment in yourself and um, you're investing all your time into other people. So why not invest in yourself? That's great. Mm -hmm. When you think about some of these things we talked about around these uh, challenges that you've turned into opportunities or opportunities rather, and also learnings, what words of advice would you give to baddies who might be where you are or where you were three years ago?
0: Mm -hmm. I would say to get a strong cabinet, get a a strong cabinet um, of people around you. I think because Corona and quarantine, that that cabinet looks different. Yes. um, Because we don't have physical proximity. But I I think back to when I was even just in the stage of like thinking through the idea. And luckily my my partner was the one who actually questioned me, but really more so just let me hold up a mirror to like the own barriers that are put in place. And like, the own barriers of like how that imposter syndrome w- was showing up for me. I'm like, oh yeah, I need a year just to do my business plan. And I want to have everything laid out perfectly. Um, and I want to have all my branding done. I want to have everything done prior to me even stepping a foot out. Uh, and I remember you question like, why? <laughs> like, what, what have you learned or, or, or who taught you that you actually have to have all of that? when you already have the gifts and the talent and you already yes. have the content that you're speaking of. Um, but you, you still, there's this barrier of like, I still need something more. I need an extra qualification. I need a, a some more experience. I need this. I need that. Um, and you find that, 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 bar just continues to move and move and move. And the thing that I found is, is having a cabinet of people, who can can be your motivator? Who can also be be your critic when you need it? Can also be that person to tell you what's real in a moment. To be like, okay, you're actually standing in your own way, and and this this is what I see, and really be a mirror for you because I think it's one thing um, to have someone who can continuously be your cheerleader, and it's another thing to have someone who can also help you grow in that process. Um, and I think that I, I really do. I, I, I credit I credit my partner. I credit some of my sisters, my story sisters. I, I credit. Uh, my parents, to be able to play those different roles. Because I think oftentimes when you are in that space of where it's still budding, you still, I mean, we we can be our own worst critics. So it's like, is this quite right? Maybe I need to move this thing. And sometimes those things can actually be barriers to your progress. They can actually be barriers to you putting the business out. They can be um, barriers to you actually launching whatever that thing is Um and I think the advice would just be don't be greedy with your gifts and talents, like share those with the world. Um, it doesn't call for it to be perfect because there's no such thing. There is no destination of perfection that doesn't exist. Um, but what there is is uh an a journey and opportunity to continue to grow and progress um and and hone whatever your craft is, but also to share with people because the world needs to hear it. Um and I through and through believe when people say listen to black women, I say it 10 times over, listen to black women. And that means that we are we are called to have to use our voice and use our gifts in that way. So I would say get a cabinet and also get someone who can check you when you need it in yes. the most loving way, but um, in a way that sometimes I, I'll, I'll name for myself, I needed to hear. And it really was like integral to, to my growth and my progress.
1: Yeah, I love that. And the, so the the cabinet, but also within the cabinet, there was this moment of, thinking it has to be perfect before you ship it out and I think that ties back to the imposter syndrome you speak about or just like how we've been conditioned to think like we can't be urgent or we have to be urgent to like move to action and we have Mm -hmm. it has to be perfect so yeah it's okay to just ship it just put it out there to the world and also like put it out to your cabinet maybe that's the first group you put it out to get some feedback and then go from there so Yeah, I love this idea of having the cabinet. Um, All right, friend. So we're going to manifest some things for you. And Aya, as you think about where do you aspire to be in the next two to three years with your consulting company? We're going to take Aya to somewhere big Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in the next two, three years. Where do you aspire to be and how can the community of baddies help you get there starting today or the day that we listen to this episode?
0: I love that question. I really do. I, I wholeheartedly believe in manifesting things through through language and articulation. Who would I say? Um, I would say the main thing is impact. In two to three years, I want there to be a, a, a clear vision and clear evidence of impact that I have had um, with clients that I've worked with, with organizations that I've worked with. Um, the reason that I that I started IA is because I recognized that there was a need and I recognized that I wanted I, I wanted change to live past the moment. I wanted there um, to be a trajectory for change, for a trajectory for organizations um, to be more equitable, to create equity in action, to create liberatory spaces, um, to create diverse people, to diverse um, boardrooms and, and organizations and leadership um, and boards in general. And I think that in two to three years, it will be true is that the clients that I'm working with today and clients that I'm working with Later, that I will see the evidence of impact within those two to three years with them, um, and I will be working with clients who also can see in these other organizations or see in the work that I've done the impact that I've had what their trajectory can look like, um, and make this something that is that is feasible and accessible. Um, I think, yeah, I think so often that it people stop at like. The, I'm, I'm aware of the inequity. I'm aware of what's happening in the world. Um, I am aware that I need to be anti-racist. And what I don't think we're also doing and some of our organizations are also doing is having that same sense uh, of urgency around actually getting into action and yes. not just action in the moment, but sustained action. So when I look back two to three years, I want to see that impact of, of the work that we did two to three years prior and I want there to be evidence that evidence of that when I look at your organization, uh, when I look at the impact that you've had, when I look at your metrics, when I look at uh, the accountability structures, when I look at how your managers um, are, are managing people, when I look at how employees are actually um, experiencing that and the work that they're actually doing in community and, and more broadly, I want there um, to be clarity around what does it look like to be in sustained action. And I think the main way that our community helps um, me get there is one like if you have people, if you have um, organizations who you think can benefit from the services that we offer, I say refer them. Um, and the other way that I think that the community can help us is uh, similar to what I said is in, in using using our voices. I think that as Black women, our voices are so powerful, and that is how we how that is that is actually how we do the work. So I don't think the work is relegated to just I a Consulting Firm or even just me as much as it, it is a, a collective effort of, of Aya Consulting Firm, of, of you with your podcast and elevating the voices of other um, Black entrepreneurs so that they can actually see what the access point is to live into their gifts. I think it takes doctors, lawyers, writers, artists, all of the things. So I think that the community helps me by leaning into your gifts. Um, they help Aya by, if my gifts can be let somewhere else, making the connection.
1: Hmm. That's powerful. Use your voice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. I don't need to say anything else. To- <laughs> Where can we find you on social media and on the interwebs?
0: Perfect. So on Instagram. Well, no, we started my website. My website is www.ayaconsultingfirm.com. consulting Aya is spelled A-Y-A. Um and okay, I'll come back to that. Uh, and on Instagram my handle is AYA, A-Y-A underscore consulting firm, one word. And then on Facebook, you can like our page and follow us uh, at AYA Consulting Firm, LLC, and on LinkedIn as well. Yes.
1: Yep. We didn't talk about the name. So
0: tell us about the name, sis. <laughs> yes. Thank you for that. I don't, I don't know how I forgot that. Um, but yeah, I chose AYA because one, so AYA is a West African Adinkra symbol that stands for resourcefulness. It stands for Um, being able to really grow and progress out of everything and anything. It stands for resilience. Um, It it stands for everything that I know Black women to be. Um, It stands also for the fern, and the fern is a plant that can grow and thrive in really difficult environments. And the one thing that I I was always clear about is I think our, our resilience, our resourcefulness, our ability to thrive um, in difficult environments and spaces that weren't meant for us and spaces that um, are not only highly seeped in patriarchy, but also very much racist and what that means for the intersection of our identity. Uh, we are called to not only survive, but to thrive in these in these ecosystems and in these environments and in this society. Um, and when I thought about Aya, it was not just thinking about the resilience, because while resilience is beautiful, um, I think that there has to be visibility into the fullness of our journey, which means also not romanticizing that we have to be resilient, that we have to survive and thrive in difficult ecosystems and what would be true if we actually changed the ecosystem so that wasn't the call. So when I thought of Aya um, as a name, that is, that is why I chose that because really it's saying like, great, we can be resilient, we can live in difficult um, ecosystems and survive and thrive and what would it mean to create an ecosystem where we can actually just be at peace. So,
1: yeah, that's why I chose Aya. That's great. And I was going to ask you for some closing baddie business tips, but I'm actually going to end it with that because that was perfect.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Baddies,
1: friends, thank you for joining another episode of Baddies with Business. For more details about today's feature, Baddie, check out the episode description box. I have included her um, social media accounts and also ways that you can stay up to date on all things Baddies with Business. If you're a baddie with a business or aspiring business and want to chat, I want to hear from you. You can contact me at baddieswithbusiness at gmail.com. If you want to support Baddies with Business and join the growing community of friends, consider joining the Baddies with Business Patreon community. The link for that is also in the description box. In closing, here's a word from the Lord, Audrey Lord. When we speak, we are afraid our words will not be heard nor welcomed. But when we are silent, we are still afraid. So it is better to speak. Be bad, be bold,
0: be a baddie.